Let's go. Hello, welcome to Just War Gamer. I'm your host, Rob. I'm joined by the Twitch chat, and today we're going to look at event results from around the world. As always, all the show notes will be included in the uh, well, in the show notes. That's where the links, the links to the uh, stats, the links to the website, the links to everything you can need, especially Patreon to help support the show. Uh, as you can see right here, uh, we can look at the stats of any army in Age of Sigmar in the competitive meta. And this is all thanks to the wonderful work done by Warhammer Rob and Ziggy. You can find it all here. In fact, you can go on the T-Sports Stat Center Twitter, uh, as long as it survives uh, the muskening. And you can find out all of the event results um, and you can look at all of the information for how armies are performing currently. So if you're like, hey, Rob, I'd absolutely love uh, to pick up some Cruel Boys. Are they any good? And this graph should give you a really good indication that they are terrible, uh, which is what we really want to show you. Um, because while it's while it's really important that you play any army that you want, you don't want to play an army that isn't any good, because that sucks for everyone. Okay, so let's go find out about the event results that we've got coming up. Uh, we know that we have 118 players playing across the world this weekend uh, in singles events. There was also a large team event, um, uh, so congratulations to everyone playing in that. Uh, so I think we had like 100 players playing that. So there was about 250 people playing Warhammer Age of Sigmar this weekend that we tracked. And that doesn't include one day uh, across three countries. Let's go find out about all of them. Uh, I hope we see, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's be, let's try, just guess what we might see. Nine Eels. Hope we see Nine Eels play. Hello. Uh, the first event we're going to look at is the 2D6 Carnage event held in Oslo in Norway. In fact, it was actually held here. This is what it looks like. If you're interested, if you listen to the podcast, this won't make much sense, but we're looking at a picture right now. Our first and second place and our two five O's are Mr. Benjamin Flutter, uh, or as we like to call him, his Royal Thinus, yeah, and Gear Vedeld. Uh, so uh, here they are. There's, um, there's our Royal Thinus himself picking up. Again, we're looking at a picture for the podcast bros, um, picking up his award. But let me just tell you that Benjamin is a thick, muscly fella. Uh, and in gear with our other 5-0, and there's gear over on the right-hand side. <laughs> so uh, Benjamin was playing with the Soblight Gravelord's Legion of Blood list. Legion of Blood. He had a Manfred, uh, Manfred von Karstein, Neferata, uh, the Mortark of Blood. So two Mortarks in there as well. They're very competitively priced, I'm going to say. Uh, Manfred is like kind of like a solo operating list, and then... Like so, unit. Sorry, he's uh, he's like he's a duelist character, but he's like a monstrous duelist character, right? He 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 brings utility to the rest of the army, but I would say that mainly that isn't his real role because he's got this ability to activate and then when he activates in combat to teleport away. That can really give you some great board position, which your opponent can't really do anything about. Got really long threat range. He's like um, his ability to project power is quite large because of his very fast base movement of I think 16 inches, might be 14. Um, and then obviously charge 2d6 so like and then a teleport after so he can be in loads of places you weren't expecting Neferata as on the other hand is more of like a support monstrous piece and what Neferata brings to the board is the ability to make it so that she casts a spell and a unit can ignore negative modifiers to save rolls so that means you can ignore rend but you can still add bonuses so unlike night night haunt where you can't change the save at all this means when you start off with something like a three up armor save which manfred does and the vampire lord and zombie dragon do they start on a three up armor save you can give them a mystic shield and all that defense and then they can be on a two up ignoring rend uh sort of situation which is really really powerful 
Um, and then he's got a Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon, who's got the Command Trait Sanguine Blur, but importantly, he got the artifact that Soulbound Garments, which had plus one to the save as well. Um, so it's going to start on a two up, so that's really good. Five Black Knights, 20 Dead Walker Zombies, and 10 Death Rattle Skeletons for the battle line. And then it's a reinforced unit of Blood Knights. Again, that's 30 wounds on a three up save. Uh, which easily can go to a two-up save, uh, and then a corpse cart with Unholy Lonestone and the Chronomantic Cogs. Now, the Cogs, pretty certain, is to make sure that Nefertiti can more guarantee those char those spells and make sure she gets what she wants on the list. So it doesn't. it's kind of like an anti-traditional Soulblight Gravelords list, where it's not necessarily great on the primary, um, because it doesn't have big hordes of models uh, in units. He does have a battle regiment and he does have bounty hunters. His blood knights are in bounty hunters um, along with his black knights. Um, so he's going to be good into enemy infantry, but it's mainly the ability for this army to just smash into uh, pieces and lift them off the board. Those blood knights are going to do some crazy damage when buffed up correctly um, and then going to be able to just achieve a lot of those uh, tactics that you weren't really expecting. So it's not, I don't think they're weak on the primary, but they don't play more traditionally on the primary. Instead, it's a save stacking army that's going to be able to push forward into you very aggressively and not really worry too much about your smack back, which I think is really cool. And Benjamin did a great job on it. Yeah, the thick Weijin. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm glad he had a great time. Uh, so well done to him. Gear in the chat. Uh, well, not in the chat, but I got a lot of love for Gear in my heart. I just think he's wonderful. He's running Stormcast Eternals. He's running Astral Templars. And he's running Scions of the Storm. So Astral Templars means that he couldn't, you can't do any monstrous actions against the unit. Okay, and this is really powerful. Uh, so it stops uh, the matchup against Gargans going badly when you get body slammed, um, which I think is interesting. Although... A lot of conversation about Gargant's not doing very well right now. Interesting to look at the stats at the end of the show when we look through that in a minute. All right, he also had, he has a Lord Castellan, a Knight Draconis. This is all in Scions of the Storm. Uh, and the Knight Draconis had the Master of Magic and the Arcane Tome Command Trait. Uh, Command Trait and then the Artifact. And then he had his Mount Trait Celestial Instincts. And then he's got the Spell Celestial Blades for plus one to wound. That's going to be really important because this one cast that is doable by this Knight Draconis is going to be really important because he's probably going to cast that uh, plus one to wound spell on his six Storm Drake Guard. Six of them. A unit of six. 1,020 points. That Knight Draconis is obviously going to be able to make them shoot in this hero phase, shoot in the shooting phase normally as well. So that's a lot of mortal wounds from that shooting. And then if you charge at them, this is a scary bit, that all-out attack, uh, sorry, that stand and shoot reaction. So Unleash Hell is also going to be more mortal wounds. And then they're going to also charge, do lots of damage. He has another unit of two Storm Drake Guard, and five Liberators, and three Ether Wings. So this is, again, another good example of not necessarily great uh, ability to hold uh, lots of objectives. So Silk Steel Nets is one of those ones where I think may be fairly problematic uh, for being able to run a list like this. However, all of those units are mainly monsters, so they're going to count as five, and they're going to be very good at totaling up the numbers. Not a lot of bodies, but they're still going to have a lot of like numbers on the on the objectives. Six hundred guard feels like a big tax, uh, a big tax, and interesting because I, we haven't read a lot of Bellacor lists recently. I wonder if we're going to see Bellacor feature more in Slaves of Darkness after Christmas uh, while people are kind of producing the new Slaves of Darkness armies, or if Bellacor hasn't really been that necessary or very useful in a lot of the upcoming um, kind of armies that we've been seeing recently. Uh, so, like, uh, maybe some of the Zinchlis haven't wanted it, or maybe Bellacor has always been replaced with an Incarnate, because ultimately the Incarnate kind of is even better than Bellacor in being able to shut down the opposing army. I'm not really sure what the answer is for either of those two, but it's it's interesting we haven't read a lot of Bellacor at the minute, and then we've seen a lot of, like, 
big, what we would call Death Star units in the Storm Drake Guard doing so much damage. So, love that. Two great lists, two great people. Wicked. Okay, so looking at the four ones, we've got some really interesting lists. Uh, Oli Gunnar Vartland uh, was running Lumineth Realm Lords, uh, and he had uh, an interesting list. Now, we talked about this a little bit already. Eumetrica, so ignoring Ren uh, up to Ren 2. Then he has a Stone Mage and an Enlightener and an Avalonor, all in Lumineth Realm Lords. Avalonor is a great support piece, makes units minus one to hit, gives additional attacks out to Stone Guard, and he had 15, 10, and 5 Stone Guard. So ignoring Ren 2, giving additional um, at, uh, like attacks, making units minus one to hit around him, making that Stone Guard even more survivable because when they're on an objective, they also have a four ward against mortal wounds. So like, they they ignore rend, they ignore mortal wounds, and minus one to hit thanks to Avalonor. So he's a great support piece and a great fighting piece at the same time. Uh, then the Stone Guard in combat doing lots of damage and not dying as well. Then five Dawn Riders in Bounty Hunters, and then twenty Sentinels. And some ballista, uh, and a ballista. So they're going to each give each other plus six inches to their range because they've both got a lantern. Now, one of the things that I would say that I uh, really, really like about um, uh, this list is it does something quite important. Is it makes your opponent have to at least run towards you because you're shooting it with ballistas and you're shooting it with sentinels. It's got a nice trading piece in the Dawn Riders in that they can be incredibly fast if they want to be. So if you want to go and run forward and kill some screens or maybe one of that that, that small 5-10 man unit that's on a left or right hand objective and then just go take them off the board. It's really, really versatile and useful for that, especially with things like Speedy Heesh. Um, so I think that that's a really like useful, useful spell um, and that allows your uh, Stone Guard to get into position um, where they want to be. So your opponent has to come to you because it's got some shooting. Um, and then once it gets to you, you're fighting an attrition battle in the middle, uh, which I think is which I think is interesting. I am always conscious of where we are at in the meta, and I am interested into how the Stone Guard lists are going to do into New Slaves to Darkness, who I feel are more survivable and potentially have more output all at the same time. Maybe it's point for point. I haven't done the math on it yet myself, but I feel like that's an interesting matchup in that they both are going to have similar-ish uh, playstyles. They both have got a lot of utility as well, but I think that you're going to be able to put maybe more Safe to Darkness units on the board and some little cheeky utility pieces. Uh, for instance, either Unmade, Corvus Cabal will be really, really effective maybe uh, against these units. Um, yeah, so very, very interesting. Hello, Captain Andrew in the chat. Um, yeah, so someone in the chat said they're going to play it. Great, I love that. That's Lex. Uh, so that was uh, Only God of Atland. Uh, Harold Sunum uh, was running Blades of Corn. Love this list. Actually, uh, and I said this already, this has got uh, Bloodthirster, Incensant Rage, Scarbrand, Wrath of Corn, Bloodthirster, Budscrater, Bloodthirster, Slaughter Priest, and some Flesh Hounds with some Wrathmongers and the Hex Gorgeous Skulls. In a very combat orientated game, uh, when you've got stuff running across the board, so Safe to Darkness and other stuff, it's going to be very good. Into a lot of shooting that you might see. Uh, maybe coming from Lumineth or indeed Ogres, uh, I feel like this has a much harder time. And unfortunately, both those two things exist at the minute. Maybe we had a very nice kind of six months where there was a lot of combat in the game and shooting was maybe slightly less uh, of an issue. Uh, but we are now entering a world where they're definitely, if Iron Blasters don't get changed, we're definitely going to have more output from shooting than we've seen in a very long while. And that does mean that this list, which has been able to have a resurgence, uh, because of the combat meta, um, has unfortunately uh, got a, uh, a bullseye on its head. Because <laughs> it's a gun. Do you get it? Like, it's, it's just, yeah, 
Like, <laughs> yeah, these like corn lists are like a kid in an American school is what I'm saying. Right. So uh, the next list is Lassie Kalberg. He's playing Daughters of Kane. Uh, he was running Marathi and the Bow Snakes. But uh, in this very continental style breakfast of a list, uh, you've got um, a unit of Shadow Stonkers. So 15 Bloodstalkers, Marathi, and then you've got a Melisite Iron Scale. But then he's always got this 20 phoenix guard which i love because of the zealous orator was never faq'd you can rally the phoenix guard on a four up so they make a really great screen so you can screen 20 phoenix guard in front of your 15 uh, bloodstalkers while marathi can go and fight and then uh, i mean phoenix guard could also fight as well amazing they've got like two attacks each three threes rend one but they've got four up armor save four up ward save so the shadow stonkers can go and do all of the teleporting grab objectives do bar show enemy lines especially for the additional vp um that's really positive for them as an army uh, and then you've got a great shooting unit you've got a great fighting unit um and you're just going to be able to hold one section of the board very very competently uh, so it's just a great list great list hard to see what beats that sometimes but you know uh so seraphon uh was being run by uh tom kenneth soley and he was running a slan. This is in Fangs of Sotek. So skinks get an additional move. They obviously get the uh, retreat and shoot um, command ability as well. Uh, so Soros, Astroth, Banabera, and Skink Star Priest. And 30 skinks, two lots of 10 skinks, Soros Guard uh, to tank and bodyguard wounds for the slan Star Master. And then two units of eight Salamander hunting packs. Uh, so it's two Salamanders really with handlers. And then two Storm Drake Guard. So. Storm Drake Guard, fast and tanky and do mortal wounds. And Salamanders also do mortal wounds and a great fighting unit. Salamanders, an amazing unit still for 280 points. So, oh, and the Endless Spell Horogast, which is pretty devastating. And then uh, we have Eric Lanes. Love Eric Lanes. Big shout out to the man at the north. Um, Maggotkin. And he's running Blobe, a Lord of Afflictions, Avestus the Leech Lord. And then he, this is all in Blessed Sons. And then three times five putrid blight kings two times two puskal blight lords in expert conquerors and bounty hunters this is kind of like the perfect list in a lot of ways um his five uh units his three units of five putrid blight kings are all expert conquerors so they count as 15 they're really tough to get rid of with that four up armor say four five up ward lots of wounds and then they're really good in a fight and then the puskal blight lords with all of their attacks a little bit more mobile just as survivable and then they're going to be bounty hunters so they're all damaged too uh, and then you've got all of your characters at the back um to back them up i just think it's a great uh just a great great uh a great list like it's kind of like it's kind of some of these are like pure cookie cutter this is what i would give to a new player sort of level list and they just work really well nice symmetry to them in a lot of ways and then finally a lot of conversation off air with the chat about this uh, we had Benj, um, sorry, we had Lars Hilgen. Uh, I'm sorry, I've definitely said that wrong. With his Sylvaneth, uh, he had a Warsong Revenant uh, in Heartwood with the Spellsinger Arcane Tome, and he's got a unit of six Kurnoth Hunters with Scythes. Great unit, incredible unit. Maybe even a better unit in the future going into things like Saves the Darkness because they're just going to be able to punch them so hard with that rend on the Scythes. So actually maybe an even better unit in the future then a unit of tree revs so two units of five tree revs 
a unit of three Colonel Thunders with Great Bows, and then a unit of six Spike Rider Lancers, and a unit of three Revenant Seekers with Spike Swarm Hive and the spell. We talked about this a lot. Like, the best Sylvaneth players in the world have been able to hit that 4-1 bracket with lists similar. And I would say that it almost always feels like it's the Spike Swarm Hive that lets them down. They want to teleport, they want to strike and fade, but they need to cast a spell and roll a three up in order to maybe do a six-inch rollable charge, right? And then I just see that failing one out of five times at least. And then maybe even in some matchups, like, I don't know, Host Arcanum, Auto Unbind, Techless, Croak, uh, you know, even a Slan, like the ability to just Auto Unbind some spells or stop some spells pretty regularly um, shuts that down quite significantly whereas some of the better lists that i think i've seen or maybe uniquely lists i've seen uh, especially when i was at alliance open i saw ryan playing with more bugs in warsinger so instead of spellsinger he used the warsinger for the additional move um so it's plus three inches to move i think so then the bugs are moving 19 inches striking and fading felt like it was more reliable or even someone like simon uh, who I saw at LGT running a bunch of Tree Lords, um, and he wasn't necessarily relying on Spike Swarm Hive to do any charging around. He was just like, my whole army's very tanky. Uh, I've got a lot of Tree Lords. I've got Durthu. What are you going to do about it? And once you put all of that, very much kind of like what you have with Nurgle, you push it all forward. It's quite an interesting build. Anyway, that's everything from 2D6 over in Norway. 2D6 is a big gaming club, I think, that exists in Oslo. Um, if you happen to be in Norway or would like to go over there, I know that they are a group of people that they tend to generally travel. I know they've been to some German events. They've been to some Swedish events. Um, but it's a great gaming group. I've got a lot of love for uh, and time for everyone in Norway uh, that in the Age of Sigmar scene. So I hope they're doing well. Uh, you should go check out their events if you get the opportunity to do so. Our next event is... The Devon Destruction 2 uh, happening in, unsurprisingly, Devon. Uh, or somewhere near Devon, uh, effectively. Uh, and here's, here's where it took place, this uh, unassuming school. People in the US who are like, oh, we always have them at big, large, fancy hotels. This is a very standard-looking location for an Age of Sigmar tournament uh, or Warhammer tournament here in the UK. Uh, the event featured uh, 44 players. Uh, and the event was won, and our only 5-0 at the time is Mr. Brandon Eaton with Skaven Tide from the South Coast Eternals. Uh, and he had a very cool list and something quite different to what we've seen previously. He has a Grace on Screaming Bell, a Plague Priest on Plague Furnace. Already we know it's going to be slightly different to what we've seen in the past. Two Plague Priests and then a Vermin Lord Corruptor. Then he's got two lots of 20 Clan Rats, and then he has two units of 30 Plague Monks. And then he has the Endless Spell Vermin Tide. Now, the main trick with this list is that the 30 Plague Monks can get up to 120 attacks with plus one to hit and wound thanks to the Vermin Lord Corruptor. That's right. <laughs> so he can uh, give them plus one to hit and plus one to wound, which means their pairs of Fetter Blades are going to be hit on twos and wound on threes. Any sixes to hit are Ren 2, um, or he can give Curse because he's got lots of Priests in there and make it so that he could potentially do mortal wounds on an enemy unit as well. They are immune to Battleshock, thanks to the Plague Furnace uh, in the list as well, so they're unlikely to run away until they get into combat. And then the Death Frenzy spell that the Grace on Screaming Bell has means that the unit gets to fight on death. So even if you manage to get the charge off against it first, which is difficult because they have a bunch of, of clan rats in the way of them, uh, then they are still going to fight back doing all that damage. So pretty, pretty scary uh, as a list. Very interesting and super cool to see. Shout out to Brandon for doing so well with that list. 
Okay, in the 4-1 bracket, oh my goodness. First up, John Can, Sons of Bahamut, Breaker Tribe. New book, same list. Gatebreaker, War Stomper, Kragnos, Two Man Crushers, Bosses of the Stomp. Is it different to the previous uh, version of um, the Gargant's book? Who knows? And most importantly, who cares? That's really important. Uh, but shout out to John Can, you legend. Chris Tomlin from the Black Sun podcast. He's back. He's playing Warhammer again, and I'm all for this. I'm excited. He's got Frostlord and Stonehorn in Boulder Head. Frostlord and Stonehorn as well. And this is New Ogre Book. Then for Mournfang. Oh, by the way, he had Metal Cruncher and Rock Main Eldar. So minus one to say, uh, minus one to be wounded uh, on the Frostlord and Stonehorn. Uh, who's his general, uh, who's also got the command trait touched by the Everwinter, and he's got the Pre-Keening Gale, it's made him a priest. Uh, and then he's got the Arcane Tome on his other Frostlord and Stonehorn, and then he has got the Metal Cruncher. Uh, then he's got uh, four Mournfang, two Stonehorn Beast Riders, uh, and then um, uh, a Thunder Tusk, and then he's got an Iron Blaster in his list as well. So he's going to be able to shoot at range with his little Iron Blaster, which is super fun. Uh, he's got two Frostlord and Stonehorns to go do some punching. He's got some Mournfang to do some fighting as well. Uh, so fast, quick, punchy army. Quick to play uh, and easy to enjoy. Next up, uh, Cameron May with another Sons of Beheba army. This time he's thinking outside the box and he went King Broad. Gatebreaker, War Stomper and another War Stomper. Now, a lot of people say this seems like it's exactly what the list we re read previously, but actually this is a wildly different list. This plays inherently differently as a Gargant list. This one is actually got four bigs and no littles compared to some bigs and some littles. If you don't really understand how it's, it's a very nuanced version of play, um, so something to think about, uh, and I would encourage you to look at these two different lists and, and read between the lines. Uh, next up, uh, so shout out to Cameron. Well done to you. Uh, Alex Edwards with a Skaven Tide list. Pretty fun Skaven list, actually. I quite like this one. Vermilord Warbringer, uh, Vermilord Deceiver, Warlock Engineer, Play Priest, two lots of 20 clan rats, and six Storm Fiends uh, with Chronomantic Hogs and Ravenax Gnashing Jaws. Now, obviously, most of this is buffing up that unit of Storm Fiends, and in fact, even making it so the Vermilord Warbringer who's a really great fighting unit. He's got the Devious uh, Adversary and the Artifact, the Warpstone Charm. The actual only two things that actually changed from the old Skaven book to the new Skaven book uh, were those two artifacts being in every Skaven list ever. Um, uh, and that makes it a quite fighty monster with and in addition to the ability for him to cast um, uh, Fight on Death twice. So he's got uh, a special sort of Death Frenzy or Fight on Death, uh, which can only cap out at two times, but can actually happened at two, which is quite cool. So I love that. Uh, and then six Storm Fiends. So congratulations to him. Uh, then we have a Seraphon list uh, being run by uh, Tim Taylor-Rose. Tim Taylor-Rose was running Engine of the Gods, Lord Croak, Astral Banabara, Skink Priest, and Acelestum Prime. Three lots of ten Skinks, five Camo Skinks, one Bissed Long Solar Engine, and Quicksilver Swords. It's quite obvious here he was going for like a lot of maximum damage at range. Quicksilver Swords is really fast. Bistillon with Solar Engine obviously is a big shooting range. But then Celestin Prime as an ally uh, means that he's going to do AoE damage in addition to Croak's AoE damage, in addition to the Engine of the Gods AoE damage as well. So going for a bunch of uh, AoE damage at range um, is quite an interesting take for this all in Thunder Lizard. Then uh, we had William Hardy with his Ideneth Deepkin list, maybe my favourite list at the weekend. He took the excellent Leviadon 
one of the best units in the Deepkin book. <laughs> he took an Eidolon, a Mathalon, uh, Aspect of the Sea, Lotan, and the Soul Render, all in the sub-faction Nautilar, so plus three rend on the Scythe attack, um, and makes the Levine on battle line. 30 thralls. Three zero thralls. Uh, and then a unit of 10 Namati Reavers and the Burning Head, and then a unit of two Alapexes. So he's got some long-range shooting, so He's got four attacks, sorry, eight attacks that do D3 damage at range from those Alapexes. Another eight shooting attacks uh, at 24 inches from Leviadon. So putting a lot of long-range threat at your opponent, meaning you have to run forward, which means your thralls, Leviadon, can all charge in and chop you up. Lotan giving them all plus one to wound. Pretty interesting. Like that a lot. Like that a lot. Uh, then Josh Can was running Legion of the First Prince. That's not going to be uh, in effect anymore, but congratulations to him. Uh, massive love to him. Uh, and then Michael Griffiths was running uh, Marathi, 10 bow snakes, some fighty snakes uh, in his list as well. Uh, now, I know for a fact, because I was messaged about it, that the Devon Destruction Boys um, by Curton Games would really like to get some more people playing at their event. They're located in the south of England. Um, they have room for up to 100 people. They've got some really great trophies. Uh, well, the trophies that I saw look really nice. Um, uh, they, they had some really nice food at the weekend, apparently. Uh, they had pizza, maybe curry, um, delivered uh, locally. So, uh, And you also got a couple of free pints with your event ticket. Uh, so up to two free pints with your event ticket, which seems like, um, seems like just a really nice thing. And unlimited free tea and coffee. So uh, if you do get the opportunity to go out uh, to the Curtain Games event in uh, in Devon or around that area, uh, then go check it out. I'm sure they'll try to do one every year. So a shout out to them. Good luck. The next event is my event in England, in Nottingham, here at the TSN Arena. You can find more tickets available on Eventbrite. Uh, we have loads of events. We have three in Dece no, we have one in December before Christmas, and then we have a series of one dayers just after Christmas, Boxing Day to New Year, if you'd like to come. Um, and they're all on Eventbrite. Just search for the Honest Wargamer on Eventbrite or the TSN Arena, any of those two, and I'll include them in the show notes. Uh, right, so this is where it's located. Doesn't look very fancy. I'll give you that, but I promise it's quite nice inside. Anyway, we had eight people at the event this weekend. We can only fit 16 in. Uh, and it's a bit of a late night. It was a bit of a late event that I threw on, but I just thought I'd throw an event on that weekend anyway. I got to play at the weekend, which was great. Uh, the event was taken out with four wins and a draw by Mr. Adam Mumford. Now, this is one of those really cool bits of kind of international story uh, where you kind of get like the mixture of the different communities from around the world featuring together. So Adam, uh, who watched uh, the Objective Zone uh, stream that we did a couple of weeks ago, where we saw uh, Gear Videld playing in Uppsala in Sweden, uh, but he's Norwegian. So he's Norwegian who traveled to Sweden. Adam saw me in England streaming the event and was like, do you know what? Deepkin really need a refresh. I've been thinking about Deepkin all wrong, is what he was thinking, because he came up with a lot of Reavers and switched it up. So he's running Ideneth Deepkin and Iron Rack. He's got an Achillean Slap King, as we know it, love it, and the Eidolon of the Mathlan aspect of the Storm. And then he's got nine Morsar Guards, a big unit of nine, which is very much what we saw Gear running. Then three units of three Morsar Guard and ten Reavers, with Lakwan the Soul Seeker. So the idea with this is, that uh, he oh and the Achillean King sorry he's got the arcane tome 
uh, in his list as well. So he's got the threat range. He's got a really massive threat range because you can put the Akinin King inside the uh, Bringy Dingy or Lakwan and then move it and then you can move afterwards, which means that Akinin King can be in places you weren't really expecting, which is pretty impressive. Uh, then the nine Morsar Guard in Bounty Hunters are really there to just absolutely ruin people's days. They've got a huge amount of attacks, uh, and especially when you double them up with the Akeelin King for the Always Strikes first, um, you can just get a lot of attacks out of them. Um, and I, it was really fun to see, especially with big rallies. Uh, we saw, like, if you kill four or five, you got the opportunity to bring back a very fighty eel every time you rally back. Uh, and then those three units of Morsar Guard just fighting out around the board and being really fast. It's a cool list. I really liked it. It was really fun. And it was nice to see Adam taking inspiration from other places around the world and really being inspired by, um, you know, those uh, those international, like, players and then rethinking through Ineth Deepkin, who have really struggled, really struggled uh, to uh, hit the 5-0 bracket. Now, Jimmy um, was our only person on. Jimmy actually got two wins and three draws. Uh, here at the TSN Arena, we actually count, uh, we do points differential, so win-loss draw, uh, but it's all based on points differential. If you don't beat your opponent by two points, so you have to beat them by three points, but uh, uh, only a two-point difference is a draw, in my opinion. Uh, that's what uh, you know. You have to get a two-point uh, difference. A one-point difference is uh, a draw, uh, effectively, if that makes sense. So, but two points isn't a draw. Uh, so that means that he got three draws, uh, which I think he got two where he won by a point, uh, and then one where he uh, lost by a point. So, uh, but that's Jimmy, and he was running Skaven, and Jimmy just seemed like a really switch-on player, really clever, really smart. Uh, loved seeing Jimmy play. He's playing a really fun Skaven list. And then Natty, a special shout-out to Natty, who got three wins with his OCR Bone Reapers. He was using some Mortec Guard. He was using uh, some Stalkers. He had three units of three. He was also using, um, he was also using uh, not Manfred, the other one, Arkan, uh, in his list as well. But the th important bit is Natty is only 12. Uh, I played against him. He played fantastically well. Uh, not even for 12. He just played fantastically well. Uh, Natty will be a really solid world's level player at the point when like when he's a little bit older um, because he absolutely did fantastic stuff. Uh, and then Andy uh, also did really well as well. Really lovely event. I had a great time. I hope uh, the people that attended the event had a lovely time. I hope to continue running as many events as possible. If people want to come, have fun, then please do. That'd be really great. The links are down below. Our last event of the day is the GOW 13 AOS in Sweden. In Sweden. The event was won by Anton Sandstrom with his Eidet Deakin. He was running Futhwan and he had Lotan, the Achillean King, uh, with the Arcane Tome and Flaming Weapons. And they had three Alapexes, one Alapex, two Alapexes, ten Thralls, and a Leviadon. Now, this looks like a shooting army. Uh, this looks like a fighting army, but it's a shooting army with some additional combat. You have from that those you two units of uh, sorry from the three Achillean Alapexes at sixteen shots at twenty four inches that do D three damage. Then uh, you've got another three, so that's another um, wait four twelve no sorry twelve shots twelve shots. Then you have another twelve shots, so that's twenty four shots, and then you've got the Leviadon to finish this all off. So uh, six. Uh, so that's going to take you up to 32 shots at 24 inches that do D3 damage. 
and then a unit of uh, unit of thralls in there as well. Now, it's a, an army that's very fast, but your opponent is going to try and close you down as much as possible and as quickly as possible. And thankfully, thanks to the Achillean King, you're quite fighty in addition to the Leviadon. Um, so, like, uh, and Leviadon's also going to give all the Alapexes plus one to their save. So it's, like, quite a nice survivable list. Like, three-up armor saves generally knocking around thanks to Leviadon. I quite like it. But I feel like it might have some weaknesses long term. But it just it didn't at this event and it went 5-0. So absolutely love that. Well done to Anton Sandstrom. And then Carl Edgner in our 4-1 bracket was running Ogre Moor Tribes in Underguts. He had the Frostalon Stonehorn, Slaughtermaster, four Lead Belchers, six Gluttons, another six Gluttons, two times 20 Noblars, the Menace of the Mortal Realms. And then he had three Iron Blasters in his list as well. Uh, but it did not win the event. Uh, and so it's fun to see um, this list as well. Uh, like the Lead Belchers, uh, the Underguts, sorry, the Iron Blasters are going to be Ren 3 because of uh, the Underguts sub-faction, unless they are shooting 12 inches, in which case they're going to be Ren 2. The Gluttons are great in a little fight. Uh, and then four Lead Belchers for shooting and the Iron Blasters, sorry, the Noblars for screens. So um, right now, while it's not been FAQ'd, the Noblars can do a lot of mortal wounds in combat um, as you try to move towards the Iron Blasters to kill them. Uh, and then the Iron Blasters are going to shoot you, and then the Gluttons um, and the Frost and Stonehorn are all going to charge you for a big counter charge. Okay, before we end the show, we're just having a look at some of the stats, especially the meta representation since the Lumineth and the Sons of Behemoth book came out. So looking at the past 34 tournaments that happened around the world, so kind of like a rolling review. At this point, and especially the meta representation, maybe the most important thing to look at is that we've had a significant drop-off in the amount of Nighthorn armies that were played. Previously, they were the same as Sylvaneth at 7.4%, and they are still up there, Sylvaneth at 7.4%. But instead, they've dropped off down to 4.6%. So they are, they've dropped by nearly 3% in representation. So they definitely still have as many armies out there in the wild. It's not like they've just they've vanished, uh, as you could say. Um, but the ghosts are nowhere to be seen. Maybe because spooky season is over. Maybe October is done and they're being packed up for the rest of the year. I don't know. Uh, but not as many Nighthorn armies on the tabletop. Probably because they're not actually that enjoyable to play. Um, in my in my opinion, they play as a castle build and then they just kind of stand around and then run away. Whereas if you look at Silvereth, super fun. Do a teleport, do a strike and fade, run away again. Seems like quite a fun army. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Magikin and Nurgle at 5.9% and Stormcast still the most popular with Doors of Cain at 5.6% almost the most popular they've ever been uh, they used to sit around like a 2% meta representation way way back in the day but now just because of the ease of picking up one of those armies you don't have to paint um, any Witch Elves instead you can just paint the Bow Snakes which are pretty easy to do plus a Marathi you've got your list um, and that's probably why you've seen that meta representation pop up more and more um Carriage and Overlords, Osort Bone Reapers, Heed Knights, Cruel Boys, Flesh Eat Courts, all some of the more unpopular armies, uh, which is of no surprise to me. Iron Jaws still up there with Magikin and Nurgle as well. Skaven, as I said, uh, are going to keep dropping off more and more, 4.1%. I think you'll see them drop down even more in the future. Now, the other thing to look about, look at, sorry, um, is the win rate of the past 35 um, as the from the past 34 tournaments? Uh, thank you to Kiara Elvenblood for <laughs> for um, raiding the Twitch stream while we're recording a YouTube video. What up, raiders? Uh, I'll finish my last point. 
Um, Beast of Chaos in the past 34 tournaments have had a 63% win rate. Uh, so even with the nerfs from the Battle Scroll update, which effectively was a points reduction, um, they didn't address the main issues with the army, which is a 4 plus rally, uh, in addition to their summoning being rampant. And therefore, as you can see, um, they are wildly good and are easily the best army in the game at the moment. Um, and uh, will continue to be so until they get their new book in January, I think. Looking at the events from around the world uh, this weekend, uh, they're smaller. Obviously, no events in the USA because they had Thanksgiving. So um, uh, I don't think there's much to be learned from the meta. And as I said, offline, well, not in the recording so far, we're in an emerging meta in Age of Sigmar. We are currently waiting uh, for the Iron Blasters and Slaves to Darkness meta, which I expect to be rampant come January and February. Those new books have just come out. Everyone's just got their minis. And as always, the production meta, which is where you have to produce all those minis and put them on the tabletop, is always going to be um, a slow process, unless you happen to slap chop your minis. But obviously, we don't slap chop here. That's for nerds. Uh, <laughs> so then, uh, the um, so that's what I'm expecting in January and February. The That's going to be pretty interesting because it's also in conjunction with the new General's Handbook, where we know that characters... Um, are protected from shooting bounty hunters goes away expert conquerors goes away so it's going to be a very interesting six months as well as a new beast of chaos book and a new green white gits book so overall overall um it's going to be a very interesting kind of couple of months and i think everything that happens over the next month leading up to christmas and the new year is going to just be kind of like the last hurrah of everything that we've been doing up until now uh, that doesn't mean there won't be some things. We know that Iron Jaws, uh, not Iron Jaws, sorry, uh, Ogres in the Iron Blasters are something we're going to see a lot of at the moment. Um, and you're going to see them because they're already produced. You will start to see some of those Slaves to Darkness armies over the next month as well. But we're not going to learn as much from them as we see at the moment. Beast of Chaos, best army in the game. Uh, I'm unsurprised. Uh, Battle Scroll seems to have had little to no effect on almost all of the armies. Um, and that's actually something really telling because that's a pretty damning indictment of Games Workshop and then producing uh, all of their new stats for their MetaWatch articles and yet their changes seem to have been very li um, little to no effect. So I'm hoping this means that they're going to really understand what it is that they're looking at and that they make more drastic changes in the future, but they'll probably just up and down everything 20 points like they have in the past. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Goodbye.